We went long again this week, so we have another bonus episode for you of the sixth podcast of the year. If you're enjoying our pod, you can follow us on Twitter at sixth pod of the year. And please rate, review, subscribe to let us know how we're doing. Okay, let's get to it. On to our next segment, which is emptying the bench. The topic for for this week's emptying the bench was uh, rule change. What rule changes would you like to see in the WNBA? Everybody had to pick at least one, but you more than one, perfectly fine. We're going to start with you, MJ. What rule change would you really like to see within the WNBA? I like the the FIBA rules. So. I like being able to actually play on the ball after it touches the rim. I just think it adds another element to the game, even though, you know, some people's like, well, that's not, you know, allowing somebody to actually make a shot and it's really goaltending or whatever. But I just think it's fun. Like you can actually grab the ball from up here. You can knock it off the rim. Like, I think, I think that's fun. Mm -hmm. And I also wouldn't mind seeing the, it's not so egregious in the WNBA, but Mm -hmm. just the timeouts and the substitution calls like make them like it's the the olympics or the fiba game Mm -hmm. i would like to see that but i mean the women don't do things egregiously like how it's done in the nba so you don't you can't really recognize it like that Mm -hmm. so i guess those would be the two rules because i can't i wouldn't change any like foul rules or anything because i mean the the women don't they don't what's what's the they don't word out they're, a they're just a lot yeah they don't fall out a lot they're not egregious they're not like flopping and all of that craziness like so yeah. it's not too much to me that you could really change with the game because i don't hear anybody complaining like oh they need to take this out of the game they need to take this out of the game yeah, as if, far we were, as the if women's it was 48 game, minutes i think we'd see more players falling out and then there would be probably a bigger focus on it yeah because i don't hear any complaints about the actual women's game itself like on floor to floor product like oh Mm -hmm. they need to stop transition just hacking in transition or you know stopping a a bucket or like i said flopping like it's it's not too much so i just think adding maybe some of the feeble rules would make it a little more entertaining it'll probably make some people mad too but Mm -hmm. i think that that would like spice the game up a little bit okay cool that's not a bad uh bad suggestion what about you, Becky? I have a few. I considered making the ruffles four-point line from the celebrity uh, all-star oh, I love game. It. I love it. Because <laughs> I think that's uh-huh. fun. It's really far away. I do think if you make it a four-point line, if you're fouled while you're shooting back there, you should only get like two free throws because otherwise people are going to try to – you shouldn't be able to be fouled in a half-court shot and get four – Sure. Okay. Because that'd be ridiculous. You'd have to do something with that. I think that'd be very fun. I did see, I kind of Googled rule changes and someone, this is like related to the Ruffles four point line, had the idea that every team gets to draw their own three point line and it would create like unique home court advantages. Like kind of like in baseball, how like a home run is a different length in every stadium. Uh They could have a really narrow three point line, but it would like, their players get to practice on it, but also benefits everyone else. Or they could have a ridiculous one. It could be jagged. It could be like the ruffles line. That could be fun. Just add some spontaneity into that the game. That would be super fun. <laughs> Wouldn't <Yes>. it? <laughs> it's like you can paint the whole like 
five feet from the actual beginning of the three-point line and spread it out that type of like it's you know when you mention a home run thing like that would be hype that would be hype yeah i think that'd be really fun i did consider what if refs could give more than two technicals without necessarily ejecting a player sometimes you see it happen where they give it an early tee to try to manage a player and then the player immediately just keeps doing it but it's like ah they didn't do too much they shouldn't be ejected you don't like seeing a player ejected just for being kind of obnoxious twice right but sometimes you want them to stop being obnoxious so maybe they could have discretion to give out more tees without ejecting a player and then i also with that then you could add technicals for flopping because i do think flopping is annoying but then the flip side i also think there should be an award for the best flop at the end of the season <laughs> So that would kind of balance that rule out, right? <laughs> you gonna encourage it? <laughs> <laughs> wow! Like you, you might get a technical for flopping, but if you really do it in a great way, then you <laughs> then you get a benefit. I, I've seen a couple really good flops already. One was Chinea Gumake, who I swear like flopped in slow motion. It was like a very slow backbend. You might have heard me moving away from the mic because I was doing the backbend in my house. <laughs> I also saw like Sabrina Nescu. She was genuinely fouled, but she like did like a whole like somersault and was like, okay, we get it. Oh, you right. Know? That's nice. So, you know, just some early contenders for best flop. Yeah. Uh, and, and of course, let's not forget Kayla Thornton. I got kicked yes. in the face when I did not get kicked in the face <laughs> yep 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 that was a good flop very successful i also thought about the coaches challenge you know thinking about the terrible game-changing call in the sky spark you had a great tweet about that but go on um but yes but then i i, I was brainstorming this and then i watched maisha heinz allen get ejected on a flagrant two where I could see it being a flagrant, but like it was absolutely not a flagrant too. And then I was like, okay, giving these refs more time to look at things is not going to help anyone. I have seen refs review and decide to eject a stew do fall for a ref walking into her. Right. I've seen them affirm a tech after a ref tripped over Wade's foot. I have seen them review and uphold a clear path foul on Courtney Vandersloot once where the player just straight up tripped and Sloot did not touch her at all. So like, I do not trust the refs of the coaching challenge. So. Yeah. It seems like whenever they review something that, that like uh, they review something that's not related to the complete mistake that they made, they never will correct the mistake. Yeah. And I feel like the longer it takes, like the longer the review is like, oh, you know, something terrible's coming. The more they talk about it, it's like, oh, some nonsense is about to be revealed. So then I kind of flipped it. and was like, maybe we just give the refs a time limit because sometimes they'll take two and a half minutes to figure out whether or not it's like 14.8 seconds on the clock. So just give them a time limit. Just like, just make a choice because it's going to be wrong anyway. Like, let's <laughs> I'll just start playing again. I'm sorry, I have a few more. Uh, a more serious one, Jacob Mox of her hoop stats mm -hmm. put together a proposal based on a concept from Brianna Stewart about having additional practice squad players I really who would like be that on article. contract with the team. They stay with the team. They're kind of the pool for the hardship and they can be like pulled up for hardship contracts. Otherwise, they're the practice squad. It gives players the ability to... You kind of see this happen where there'll be like a player that's kind of in the orbit of the team where they keep getting pulled up and down for hardship contracts, but you mm -hmm. never know. And why not just make this a permanent role? Why not just 
have them get paid because idea was that they'd be at at will contracts. So they, they have the flexibility that they could decide to be like, no, I don't want to be a practice squad player for your team. I'm going to go be a practice squad player for this other team. That's going to be giving better opportunities, or I'm just going to go three, pay three on three or something, you know, like they don't have to be stuck into it. But I think that'd be a great way to expand the pool of talent in the league and allow more development. I also thought about the end of games. I hate just the free throw. Nonsense. Oh, I think you're gonna you're gonna jump on my my main suggestion, but go ahead. Oh, I think you probably have a better suggestion because basically, I was like, what if just the intentional fouls are texts at the end of the game? Because it's a, <laughs> like it's an intentional foul, so you intentionally fouled. We're gonna tech it. Two ideas in this regard, but yeah, uh, what are, like let me hear your ideas. Okay, all right. So my my main idea for the end of games is there's two options. The lesser option is the whatever you want to call it last two minutes let's say well overall i think this is a big problem in basketball i don't think the defense should get to dictate how a possession ends the offense should have the right to turn it down if they if they get fouled it's like you can shoot the free throw or you can keep playing that should be the right and if you get two consecutive fouls then you get two shots and the ball back to to uh, to do that you can save that for the two in, two minutes at the end of the game. Just get rid of that. Better better idea though is if you guys are familiar with the Elam ending, which has been used in the basketball tournament. This basketball tournament is this I think two million dollar prize pool tournament that three by three uh, players can play in every single year. Uh, the Elam ending is with the first timeout four minutes from the end of the game. The first stoppage in play. You go and you look at the score and you add eight points to the higher score and the teams play to that number. So if a team is leading 81 to 76, then you add eight to 81 and it's 89 points. First team to 89 points wins. The game clock no longer exists, just the shot clock and everything plays on as normal from there. First team to 89 wins. That's it. You're, you're done. There's no more fouling to at the end of the games to get possessions, blah, 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 blah. I think it's wonderful. I think that idea is genius. They've used it in the NBA All-Star, All-Star. game, but instead of using the last four minutes, they did a tribute to Kobe Bryant, and the last quarter was 24 points from the leading score Yeah, for the entire last quarter of the game. But I like the, the four-minute ending better. I just did the math on the WNBA. Per four minutes of play, the WNBA averages 7.8 points. So that's perfect. Just make it eight points from the leading score and play on from there. And the first team, the the first team that reaches that number, they win. It's led to a lot of exciting stuff in in the basketball tournament. I think they use it in the big three. I can't remember uh, if they do or not, but they've, they've shown highlights based on that. The only thing that kind of brings it down a little bit is there's no game ending buzzer beater through the amount of time left so you lose that and also the game can end on a free throw which kind of anticlimactic small price to pay get rid of all of the fouling at the end of the games have a target you will have that drama it's never literally never over until it's over until somebody hits that last point so that makes it really really cool i love 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 the elam ending i want the WNBA to embrace it yesterday. I think it's great. Get it in place. Let's just do it. It it will be fun and fantastic. There's no downside in my mind to that. I have a couple of other silly ones, but I, I still think they're good. I say, I've tweeted this a couple of times. Instead of jump balls, do rock, paper, scissors. 
<laughs> oh, hey, that laugh. would be fun. That would be you fun. laugh, but I'm no, serious. that would that would be fun because it, it, it would be start... fun. It would be dramatic. You would close yeah. up on the hands and have them go at it, <laughs> and whoever wins gets possession. And all Your the height kids doesn't matter. Playing it. Jump balls are heightest. Number for for one thing. Every time you see like Sylvia Fowles going up against Ari McDonald or whatever, it's ridiculous. Uh, there's yeah. no point to it. It's always the taller player who has the advantage, and they never freaking throw the ball right anyway so let's get that out of the game they, they never toss it up correctly it's they shouldn't be expected to it's dumb that uh, there's fun, just huh? no point rock paper scissors first so right off the bat i think that portion of it is cool you just close up you know you have you have britney griner and kelsey plum playing rock paper scissors mm. you know that some players out there are going to work getting really, really good at rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> They're going to read all the psychology books and every other thing. We're going to have stats, uh, win-loss percentages on rock, paper, scissors for every single player. We're going to have scouting but reports. Like, yeah, scouting reports. <laughs> scouting like, oh, reports. Oh, she's used 45% rock. 45% of the time, she does a rock. <laughs> you <gotta be> <laughs> exactly. oh, wow. We're going to have numbers flashing up on the screen. Rock percentage, paper percentage, scissors percentage. And then there's that old Simpsons uh, bit with how how Bart always loses <laughs> rock, paper, scissors. And you have Lisa thinking, poor Bart, he always chooses rock. And then he has flashing in Bart's head, good old rock, nothing beats rock. We know we're going to have some player out there who's just always choosing the same thing every single time. Man, that and losing me of, uh, every, every time. Remind me of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, too. Just because they won't, they won't switch. <laughs> That would be fun. That would be Every, really fun. I don't like it. I don't dislike anything about this idea. I don't care if anybody thinks it's silly. I bet once if they started doing it, it would be everybody wonderful. would do it. Every it would be wonderful. It would no just one be does that anymore. The kids don't even know what that is anymore. Yeah, it <laughs> like, would be perfect. You should settle playground games this way. All right, it was yeah. a foul. Oh, it was a foul. It's not a foul. Just rock paper scissors. Yeah. It was a foul. Boom, boom, boom. Don't you know? Ball don't lie. Shoot a free throw. Don't even do any of that. Just do rock paper scissors. <laughs> Have it done with. It's perfect. It's a skill. Number one, it is a skill. It's not just luck. They have rock, paper, scissors championships, and the same people are very, very good at it. So it's a skill you can actually get better at. Uh, it's not based on how poorly a referee throws a ball. It takes less time. You just line up the two. You don't have to, oh, everybody position in the circle. No, you're not standing in the right spot. Oh, this and that. Okay, you're pushing. Everybody, these two players are pushing each other. None of that. You just have them line up. Camera zooms in on the hands. One, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Somebody wins, uh, they tie, you go again. And one, two, three, somebody wins, boom, they take the ball out. Done. You got memories going through my head where we used to play uh, rock, paper, scissors. My, my sister and I decided to rock, paper, scissors, it. and it is yes. a foolproof solution to every it turned problem. It into bazooka and uh, <laughs> no, there's rocket guns. launcher <laughs> and <laughs> shoe. Yeah, yep, shoe. And... Oh, God. No, I, I think. I, I love this idea. I'm 100% supportive of it. Another <laughs> potentially even sillier idea that I have, but this is more of a suggestion. Every team in the league should try to field a player who is five, six or under. There's just a lot of talent being lost because you're thinking, oh, I can't. This, this player will not be able to play defense. They're going to get targeted. That does happen. I'm trying to think, what was her name? who was a played on Dallas uh, a few years ago, Brooke McCarty Williams. Yeah, that's her name. That did happen with her. She, she was five, six, something like that. A uh, really tiny player. I think she played in college with the Imani McGee Stafford. Dallas had her. She was a surprise to make the team and, and Dallas had her on the team. 
she had a really good game the first game of the season. And then after that, it didn't go so well. And she did get targeted quite a bit on defense. It was the nightmare scenario of trying to pick a smaller player and expecting him. I think defenses have largely changed. Rui Mashida shows that you could be 5-4 and be out there. And it's not a terrible thing. It's not the worst thing in the world. And you have players that are that small that have enough skill to at least stick at the level. Katie Benson, super duper competitive. You know, she she plays tough, shoots threes. Washington, Tebow was saying, I wish we could have a full-time spot for her. They wanted her on the team. Alicia Clark called her Ben Sanity. That kind of player. Crystal Dangerfield, who, you know, was successful for at least a bit. Just, they're out there. Give them a shot. So, it's just, I, I, I joke that it should be a rule, but I honestly think that more players should start looking a little bit down the height and not be highest about WNBA basketball because you could really find a gem at that height. And that is my, that is my platform. And that is why Lauren Park Lane is my number one draft pick. Yes. Next year. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the shorties. I want the sh- more shorties in the, the WNBA. I want, I like the outlier players. I want to see the, the super tall. I want to see the Han shoes, the six tens. And then I want to see the smaller players. I just want to widen the amount of variety that we have all over the place. I want to play, see players from places we've never seen before. All that good stuff. I want to see Emily Engslers, whose game I don't fully understand. Yes. <laughs> just the variety is, is, it could be a lot of fun. So was that it, Becky, or did you have any other, any other rule changes? No, I just had a question mark with charges because I think everyone's going to hurt themselves, but I don't really have a good solution there. Yeah, I don't either, unfortunately. it's. I think they've, for the most part, have... I, th- I think there was one that was kind of egregious, but now I don't even remember which game it was in. But I think for the most part, they've done a decent job of calling them so far this season. There's always going to be that that one that you're like, that may have been technically a charge, but that was stupid. I know they had one in the NBA in the Celtics game, the Celtics Bucks game, but it was, yeah, it's, there's no real solution. You can't just go barreling into players and, and pretend charges don't exist because somebody yeah. is going to get hurt. There was that, the Texas, the women's Texas team this year were oh, okay. like insistent on getting charges at every possible moment. And there was a girl who was like in concussion protocol and still taking charges. And I was like, yeah, let's not do that. The real easy, easy solution for that would be to widen the, the circle underneath the basket. Maybe move it out a few inches and that would probably prevent more of those because it would give, it would give the offensive player more of more room to operate. I don't know. Just a thought. Uh, Anyway, I have a hunch. Oh, if, go for it. We have time for it. We do. Let's go. Okay. This is a loaded question. Hmm. The WNBA doesn't play games at like college universities, do they? Uh, they do sometimes. I think uh, Indiana, I, Indiana's playing at like three different stadiums this year. That's why they didn't even sell season tickets. Okay. Well, yeah. never mind. That that kind of threw that out the door. I was just okay. thinking that they should. I, I was thinking of it as a means of generating income for the league that they should just do like a whole season of just college stadium touring, basically. And because I don't know, I, I look in the audience at a lot of the games and I'm just like, it should be more people there. But I'm thinking if you go where the game is appreciated and just take it to like, you know, take it to the college and then let the kids 
and students uh and of course the the staff and everybody have uh access uh, to certain types of prices but then you know charge the general public i guess usual prices one thing I, I don't know what how feasible it is with the logistics but i would really love if they held if they held preseason all in one place just do it up do it up wobble style have everybody report to one place you can get more games in because nobody has to travel yeah do like three games per team do a little mini tournament have a preseason that saves, cup. and that saves money too yeah uh, and yeah, an area where like they can stay, players can stay, they, they stay for, uh, whatever, two weeks or so, and then fly back out and, and everybody gets in lots of time. If somebody is, is cut, a player is cut, they're like right there. Just walk down the hall. If another, if another team wants them, um, that was, that was like maybe the, the only upside of the wobble is just that nobody had to travel and players that were cut could just hang around and then somebody could pick them up. I thought that was that was really like a nice system and it would probably make things a lot easier, especially with prioritization now, where if you're if you're a player who has played uh, three plus years in the league, you have to be on a training camp if you're going to play that season, period. There's no more showing up in the middle of the season if you were not on a training camp. Um, and if you are on training camp, you want to be there from the beginning anyway. So get everybody to one place. Uh, just just have it all in one place. Invite all the players out to just show up at that particular time, all of the, the, the fringe players who may want to play that season, get them on a training camp roster, they can play and then they can be used later on without having to sacrifice portions of their salary or whatever, which is a stupid, stupid rule, but that's the rule uh, for, for the next uh, two, three seasons, at least it's really dumb, but next year would be the best year to actually start doing that and just do it and have a little preseason cup. Have a little something to that some team can win, get their team excited for the season. That'd be that'd be cool. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, that's going to do it, folks, for the sixth podcast of the year. So everybody have a great week and we will see you next Wednesday. Peace out. Peace out. Bye.